0: There is a very special day. On this, the day of our podcast recording, you requested to join the family. I'd love to welcome you with open arms, but how would you intend to contribute to this on this, the day of our podcast recording? Uh, Adam? Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was my Italian side coming out there. <laughs> wow. That I mean- was that was something (laughs) but i mean it uh could be worse it could be the other side uh that's right burn them all to hell burn them (laughs) the other side of your family is angry leprechauns angry irish i guess not so much angry definitely irish
1: (laughs) well i mean you know that like your bloodline and stuff isn't the only kind of family
0: No, that's, that's very true. It's not. And I mean, that's a great segue because I think today we're going to be talking all about chosen families.
1: (laughs) So hi, Becca. Hi, Adam. I feel like we haven't done this in a really long time.
0: I mean, in fairness, we we did give our listeners a warning that the summer would be a crapshoot at best.
1: I mean, that is fair. I've played so much baseball in the last few months that uh, I don't know when we would have had time to record.
0: Oh, you mean the game of turning Becca into a lobster slowly but surely? I've seen it happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I Hey,
1: I only turned purple once this year.
0: Once? That, that's That's good. Last year, how many times was it? Three. Yeah. Maybe four uh the fourth was
1: debatable i wouldn't say i was purple just a very dark red
0: hey you know what you wear red with aplomb <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're welcome i mean i uh, i totally flirted with the it hurts to move moments a couple times this summer myself because ugh.
1: well yeah because you came up to my penny pincher tournament and you got a little bit of sun
0: i did that um anyone who remembers our second our earlier podcast episode about grieving we finally interned my grandmother in her burial this summer as well uh closer to home and so I had to drive to do that and I had my sunroof open and I burned like a sunbitch in my car and I also have hung out with you a couple times and burned like a sunbitch. and yeah just a lot of burning a lot of burning and not- I have, uh, my answer usually now if it's not
1: 100% baseball related <laughs> comes directly from TikTok and when someone's like, "Oh, you should come outside." I'm just like, "No. Why? The sun is a deadly laser. I'm not doing it. I burn in the shade. I have very, very pale skin. I am definitely British descent and it shows."
0: Yeah, um I mean, neither of us are as bad as Blue Eyes, who has two settings: albino and lobster. Yeah, I'm I'm one shade darker than her. Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) She's albino, and I'm almost translucent. Like it's bad.
0: And of course,
1: keeps making jokes because you saw that burn that I got on my legs, and they're still they look like leather patches. And he keeps teasing me and saying that he wants to take a marker and draw stitches on, because it looks like I have
0: leather patches on my knees. It's accurate, folks. (laughs) Shush. The meme I love is, you know that episode, that level of Super Mario Brothers 3 where the sun is trying to kill you? That's this summer. It is this summer, this heat though. Oh my God, I know.
1: I cannot. I just cannot that's the other reason we can't do a podcast very often because most of the podcast would us just be us sitting there going
0: it's too hot to talk I'm dying I uh I tried to reduce my hydro bill by not hooking my AC up this summer and oh. I lasted up until I want to say mid-July and then we hit our first 30 degree day and I'm like yeah I'm done <laughs> <laughs>
1: So my house is too old for me to have an air conditioner in. It will blow all of my breakers. Oh, that's fun. So we just have a series of fans
0: and hope and I go to the lake. (laughs) Hopes and prayers, some duct tape and a lake.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's small town living for you? eh?
1: Love living in a small town that was built on hope, prayer and uranium. (laughs) Hopefully not active uranium. Oh, it's in the tailings pond. It's fine. I barely even glow in the dark anymore.
0: <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa. like like I'm, like I'm imagining like some like the Springfield nuclear plant or something. Um,
1: more like I don't know. Have you ever watched Bob's
0: Burgers? Oh yeah, I love Bob's Burgers. I just I'm not caught up, but I love the show.
1: Okay, so do you know who Coochie Kopi is? No. So it's uh, Louise's little um, nightlight. Okay. He's like a little green alien guy, and he glows
0: green. <laughs> yeah, that. that.
1: That's kind of, you know, me and my folk. That's,
0: that's, that's fair. It, uh, I feel like I picked up a bit of radiation just driving through it that one time.
1: Uh. <laughs> well, you got bitten by mosquitoes, and so that'll
0: do you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm still scratching some of those bug bites. Anyway, we should probably get on topic, because like two neurodivergent people that we are... Topics are like, what's that? Well, we have
1: said this a lot about our podcast, and it's just that our. I'm sorry, my dog is barking. One moment, please. Sir, shh. You don't need to be on the podcast. Hold on, I got to find out what this dog's barking
0: at. <laughs> Take your time. So, I mean, in fairness, like, I mean, I think the reason people listen to us anyway is because we're <laughs> so random with our, you know, and conversational.
1: Well, and we've said it before that our podcast topics are more like a jumping off point. Like, we'll start here and we're probably going to end up on
0: raspberries, That's but cool. we'll get there eventually. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of like our topic of the day, this is one that honestly kind of means a lot to me and i think it means a lot to you too it does so there's the whole topic a uh, concept of chosen family or found family that kind of thing it's not exclusive to the lgbtq community but it's big in the lgbtq community
1: it's very predominant in the lgbtq community
0: and i think it's because a lot of us not all of us but I mean, some of us have decent relationships with our families but i mean a lot of people in the LGBTQ community have had issues with their families I and mean, been cast out and all these things and it's sad. And a lot of people have you know, banded together to kind of provide that kind of family connection that people don't necessarily have at home. And I think that's beautiful, but it's also sad that it's necessary, but it's also beautiful.
1: No, I get exactly what you're saying. And you know, like I am very lucky that I have a very open and accepting family. My blood family is, is very good to me in that respect. But I think, too, I have found a chosen family as well. And I am just as close, if not closer, to the family that I have chosen than the family that I was born into. Oh, me
0: too. 100%. I'm very lucky, too. Um, My family has definitely grown and gotten better over the years and, and gotten more progressive over the years and all that stuff such that they're very accepting now. And when I mentioned that I was figuring out my own sexuality, they were very accepting about it. It was awesome. But I also have found my own chosen family that in some ways I feel understands me better. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a very uh, short and decisive answer for me, I guess. But yes. Now, like I said, my family is very open and accepting, but I think every time that I'm like, oh, hey, I'm you know I'm this thing now they're like yeah mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's like oh yeah yeah what is it today is it uh, <laughs> you, you know, like how
1: many closets cupboards whatever can you come out of and I'm like I don't know I I fully believe that my entire life is a journey about finding myself and you know when I find out new things I'm not afraid to be like oh hey I'm
0: I'm I'm a this me too And and it's funny because like sometimes I feel like are people gonna think, start thinking like, oh God, Adam, what is it this time, you know? But like, and I, I also wonder to myself sometimes too, it's like, is 34 too old to be figuring any of this out? Like, holy crap, I'm a bit old for this, right? No. But no, and I don't believe that like it's, I don't believe it's ridiculous for people to find new labels for themselves and to identities for themselves as they go. And I think people need to be more accepting of that. And again, I find chosen family. our chosen family tends to be more accepting of that than my biological family. I love them, but I'll put it this way. I, I make sure I'm absolutely certain about a label or a closet coming out of before I announce it to them because I don't want to be the guy who's like, and this week I'm this, and this week I'm this. And like, I, I wouldn't be, but I feel like they would think I was.
1: No, I get that. Like I even had that a little bit because- when I was 31, I came out as polyamorous. Yep. And then at, you know, 33, I am like, and I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we tried it. It wasn't something that worked for me. I'm still a huge supporter of the community and I still, you know, talk about it in a podcast and this and that and the other thing, but it's yeah. just not something that I have the capability of doing right now yeah exactly and this me from being you know the villain in someone else's story because I don't want to be toxic you have to know when to call yourself on certain things and this is one of the things I had to call myself on and I was very lucky with my chosen family that they just kind of went
0: like yeah all right yeah well we love you no matter what right and I love you guys yeah oh. And that's exactly it. Like I went through this with a toxic relationship I was in maybe four or five years ago, and when I was breaking, when we broke up, and I kind of processed it, I wasn't about to not assign blame where blame was due, but I also was thinking to myself, okay, but what parts of this? What parts of your approach weren't working for you either? You know what I mean? And like, that's not me saying, well, it's my fault. That things are lost. No, 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 no. I'm not self-gaslighting myself, but I think it's always important. Like you said, to call yourself on your shit when you recognize things that aren't working
1: too. Well, you have to take accountability for, yeah. for yourself or you never grow. If you yeah. just want to say like, Oh, well they did this and they did that. And they did the other thing. But you won't take any accountability for yourself and be like, okay, well, I, I also yeah. exasperated the issue by blah, 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 blah. We all have a part to play. Now it's different in situations of abuse and this and that. That is not what we're talking about. No. But we're talking about, like, in, there's three sides to every story. There's your side. There's their side. And somewhere in there is the truth.
0: A grad school classmate of mine described it as thesis, antithesis, synthesis.
1: There, that's a great way to put it.
0: And that's just it. But I mean, I honestly probably wouldn't have survived that crappy experience had it not been for my, for my found family. And very lucky that in some ways my found family took me back because no. I- might've allowed myself to try to cut one off at that point. And I'm very ashamed of that. Now, in fairness, like there was, because again, two, there was a, there was issues on both sides when it came to that, but we could have easily worked that out. It wasn't a big deal. I allowed my then partner to push me to the point of wanting to end that friendship. And I regret that immensely.
1: Well, and I mean, I can't say much because you know what I went through a few years ago. And I not only cut off one person, I cut off essentially my entire chosen family at one point.
0: Well, except me.
1: Except well, that was the point. Like you and I were close, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. before we were family. Yeah. Fair. Um and So, you know, and I think some of our listeners, I might have mentioned in the past that uh, a few years ago, I made some life changes. I fell in love and packed up and left my hometown, um, cut ties with just about everybody, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Um, The relationship didn't work out and I had to come home with my tail between my legs and... My chosen family, my friends went, yep, you done
0: fucked up, but we love you anyway. Welcome home. Yeah. Well, and, and that's just it. Like, I love how your, your chosen family was so willing to accept it, accept you back and be like, Hey, no shit happens. All good. And like, I, I'm so grateful for you for that because that's amazing. And again, I, I had a similar experience with, with the, with said friend of mine, how like, we talked and it's like, okay, I had this issue. Okay, and I had this issue. Okay, but we really shouldn't have. T- no, we shouldn't have. Okay, okay, <laughs> you know, and like, and it was like, are we good? Yeah, of course we're good. And we just went, we went to the movies the next day. It was great. But like, I feel like that is such a beautiful thing because when it comes to chosen family, it's like, you can't choose who, what family you were born into, but you can choose your friends and your, clo- and your chosen family. And that means that they have to continue to choose you and you have to continue to choose them. So there is something beautiful about, even in the hard situations like that, them continuing to choose you.
1: Well, and that's it too, is like, I was very lucky because not only did I gather more chosen family on my little sabbatical from reality, which would be you and Blue Eyes and our nieces. Yes. um, But when I came home, the rest of my chosen family was still here and they accepted my new chosen family and they just kind of joined ranks. Yep, And I think that's very beautiful. And even in the sense where you and I, um, we had our romantic relationship that did not pan out. Um, And yet I could still consider part of your chosen family, part of my chosen family, even though I haven't met them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it's this really great thing where, as neurodivergent people, as queer people, we get to choose our family, and sometimes our families
0: combine. Yep, and I just want to add that, like, especially as neurodivergent people, as queer people, as people who just don't fit into society, let's be real, Um, you know, they're, especially that that manifests in family situations, too, because, I, like I said at the beginning, I love my biological family to death I don't always feel like they understand me exactly in situations like that it's not that you're necessarily replacing a family that has cast you out because they're awful because they're not but you're finding the people who understand your soul if I'm if I'm if I'm given to believe in such things which the jury's out on for me but metaphor you know um they accept who they know they understand you on that level and that to me is amazing because, like I said, I haven't always had that. I've always felt like, you know, I'm me to a point, but I can't do this, or I'm me. But you all have encouraged me to be like, man, if you want to go on a date with a boy, go on a date with a boy, like what? Or if you want to do this, go to, like what? Like, or be yourselves, like, what? You know, it's like it's acceptance in a way that it's, it's like true, unbridled acceptance.
1: Well, and even to the point, like, I'll talk with my mom quite a bit, and a lot of times she says, you and Adam speak a different language, <laughs> and it's true to a point, because we do, we have a lot of terms that, you know, um, people who aren't neurodivergent are or aren't part of our generation might accept or understand, yeah. so it's this moment where you can just take off the mask mm-hmm. and you, Exactly who you are. And I think that is so important because among, among my chosen family, I can just be, I don't have to be anybody else. I don't have to do anything else. I can just be myself. And that is so important to me. And I know it's important to other people, queer, um, neurodivergent people, just having that safe
0: space is, it's so refreshing. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, also, like, you know how there's that narrative that you get into your 30s, you're supposed to find your person, you get married, you build your family, you do the thing. I want to put out there that while nothing in my life has really gone as I thought it was going to go except maybe getting a book published but that was a pipe dream that became a reality that like let's be real so many people are like we'll want to write the next great novel but like who thinks they're actually going to do it (laughs) you know what I mean and like but I didn't expect my life to go the way it has gone uh, long and short of it and I haven't done the traditional find my person get married have kids all these things start a family but I have started a family and to me that's why it matters so much is because even though I haven't done it in the traditional way my 30s are still defined by my family and my
1: family
0: you know and I love that
1: no I get that because like so for me I've never really wanted anything super traditional I think the only traditional thing I ever wanted is marriage I was never really was kind of back and forth about kids and this and that. But when I look at it, I have my bonus child. Um, I have amazing nieces and nephews. I have this whole family that loves me so much. And I have everything that I need. I don't need to do the traditional approach because my chosen family is exactly what I need
0: and want. Yep. I completely agree with you on that. Um, like, and you called me on this recently, but like, I've been pretty like, I, I both believe in marriage and love marriage and I'm skeptical of marriage because I've seen it fall apart from my own family experience. And I've seen, you know, but I believe in it in terms of express, standing and expressing your love for another human being and wanting to has been forever with them and all that stuff. And I think that's beautiful. I really do. I've also, I also grew up in a pretty traditional household where like marrying kids and all that stuff is kind of an expected thing. And I always thought I wanted that. And to be honest, part of me does want that. I, I do want to be a dad. I do want to, uh, you know, get married and uh, have kids and all that stuff. And I would even cohabitate with someone, but all of these things have to be with the right person or people in my case, because Absolutely. I won't just jump into anything with, with the first random that wants that. Because again, as you said, as it stands right now, my chosen family pretty much meets all my needs, and I appreciate their existence in my life. And I feel like my family side is satisfied. So, if you want me to jump into doing all those things with you, you gotta really meet me where I'm at and impress me, because I've got family. <laughs> you
1: know, like no, I totally get that. Um, like I totally get what you're saying about that because. I think it takes a very special person to, or people to change your wants and help with, like, when you're in your 30s and you kind of have to restart or reset what you thought your life was going to look like, mm-hmm. you, you have trauma. Yeah. You have baggage. <laughs> you are not coming into this game empty-handed. And neither is the person or people that you're going to be with. No one in their thirties has no baggage or has no trauma. Yep. It, it, it's just not going to happen. Yep. And so I think it takes a very special person again, or people to make you even want to really try, you know, you're going, okay, well, I've already done this and I've already done that. And I've already had my heart ripped out and turned into hamburger. You know, that other person put it through the blender and those people then stomped on what was left of it. Do I really want to even, like, I'm okay on my own. I'm good. Yeah. Or do I want to do anything more than just some casual dating? And then you meet someone, whether it be a new person or someone that's already in your life. And all of a sudden it makes sense and it's worth trying. Yeah. And You don't know how
0: it's going to work. You just want it to. Yep, absolutely. And at the end of the day, I'm a hopeless romantic. I really am. Yes, you are. (laughs) Despite my baggage, I am a hopeless romantic. You You can modify the expression, but you can't change the fact that it's there.
1: No, and I think, you know what, there's nothing wrong with being romantic in this world. There's nothing wrong in believing in true love. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be the definition that we've all been spoon-fed our whole lives. I think true love can be with one person. It can be with 12 people.
0: It can be with whoever and whatever you want. And <laughs> it doesn't have to be romantic love either. True love can be platonic love. True love can be, you know, like, I think love is not a finite resource like people claim it is traditionally.
1: It, well, and that's exactly it. And one of the things that I've always said about uh, being uh, polyam is, you know, someone will be like, oh, well, who's your favorite? Excuse me?
0: Uh, yeah,
1: I know. Like when, when you're dating more than one person, who's your favorite? Well, that's like turning to someone and being like, well, who's your favorite kid?
0: Yeah. Well, I can't choose that because I love them all. Well. A derp. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Like, and I think that's the easiest way I've managed to explain it to my friends who are interested in the lifestyle like maybe not interested in, in being part of the lifestyle but they're like the fuck did you just do you were, <laughs> you were dating like three people at one time mm-hmm I was yeah mm-hmm. I did that well which one was your favorite I beg pardon
0: well don't you naturally just find uh, end up end up finding one more attraction like, that's like asking me if I prefer, White chocolate, or milk chocolate, or dark chocolate, or a chocolate souffle—I like them all. They're all freaking delicious, and get me get me high enough, I'll probably devour them all at once. So I mean, that's it's people think that they have like love is finite and you have a limited resource to go around, but it's not.
1: And I I think a lot of that to do is to do with the way we're taught about it yeah and the same thing goes with family like you hear the saying all the time blood's thicker than water well, that's not the whole saying, and you're only taking the part of it that you think proves your point the okay. entire quote is actually um the blood of the covenant is thicker
0: than the water of the womb Yep,
1: which, which technically means, means
0: like the chosen families more is thicker than
1: well think Earth and the way it. i think about it is like I choose to love you. Yes. Uh, You did not, you aren't just part of my life. Well, I mean, you are. But we weren't born into the same family. No one's going to be like, well, that's Adam. You have to love him because he has, you know, the same bloodline as you.
0: Yeah. It'd be really weird if we did. (laughs) Let's let's pray Um, that's not true somewhere down the line. Let's pray that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I choose to love you. I
1: choose to have you as part of my life. Yeah. And I would go to the wall for you. And, you know, you hear this a lot, Willie. Oh, you have to love him. He's your brother. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. I have three brothers. Two are biological. One is a brother of my heart. He's my soul brother. I have a far deeper connection to the brother that I chose than the two that I of the family that I was born into part of that might be because you know I'm 36 years younger than one and 23 years younger than the other that might have something to do with it but this whole idea of like you know that's your mom that's your dad that's your brother you have to love them no you don't no um they don't take into account how toxic some family members are some how narcissistic some family members are the damage that some family can do to you and so no (laughs) like I have my my grandmother who was probably one of the greatest loves of my life yeah she was not technically my grandmother at all she was my mother's best friend exactly but When someone says to me, oh, your grandmother, I immediately think of my grandma Vi because she was my person and she was a chosen family member to my mom. Yeah. Who then, you know, turned around and was the world's best grandma. And but that's that's a
0: chosen family. Well, absolutely. And I mean, like, so in my own case. I'm not going to name names, but I have a family member on my dad's side who I love this person, but I also can't see them for large doses. Mm -hmm. Small dose family members. I have a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. This person is judgy, fat shames me, but has been condescending to me. But always, when you call them on it, it's oh, I say these things because I love you, and then when I when I act make a stink about it in the family, I get basically seen as the crazy one because oh, this person does this because they love you and they're older, so you just have to roll with it, Adam. And it's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> like I, if I feel thoroughly disrespected, I don't have to roll with that. That's and whereas, see, and, and this person is like an aunt uncle type character yeah me myself in my chosen family role as uncle to our nieces and my nephews and all that stuff like that I try to be the cool uncle I'm like the one who has a cool relationship with them I'll, I'll watch anime with them I'll talk about nerdy stuff with them like because I know what it's like to both have an amazing aunt uncle that I love and have a We need a gender neutral term for that. Um, And have a aunt, uncle who I love, but also can't be around. And I don't want to be that. I want to be the former one.
1: No, I get that. And I think a lot of it is to do with the age. And that is not dismissing it. But like the older generations were raised that like, you don't talk back to your elders. You don't this, you don't that. And that's how their elders treated them. Yeah. When they say those things to us and we're like, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> um, you know, other family members are like, oh, you're being disrespectful. No, I'm not. I'm just saying we don't comment on people's weight anymore. That's right. We don't comment on people's life decisions. We, you know, I, I am a firm believer in the five second rule, which is if it's not something that you can change in five seconds, like I have a button undone or there's something in my teeth or like just don't whatever, say it. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So and like I've gone rounds with family members about how you you don't get to treat me that way. And I will now my go-to is kind of just like, well, that's enough of that. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, done. And eventually they either decide, like, oh, if you say that to her, she walks away. So I won't say those things around her anymore <laughs> or I just walk away either way. I don't have to hear it. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, cause a lot of times I understand like I was a smoker for a very long time. Yeah, I smoked for 17 out of my 34 years. Yeah. And I have since quit, but my one aunt, um, lost her husband to lung cancer. Yeah. So me smoking was a, very big deal for her and she very much wanted me to quit yeah but it was the way she went about it that made me more like well I'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) and um I know that a lot of that was defiance and I get where she was coming from and being able to look back and be like I should have maybe been a little bit more understanding about it as well you know like I didn't smoke around her yeah um if I was staying at her house and I wanted to smoke, I would go for a walk. I would, you know, like wash my hands and everything afterwards. Yeah. We got it taken care of, but it was a very, like nitpicky situation. And again, it was from a place of love.
0: Yeah. But I didn't always appreciate it. See, and that's actually, it's interesting to mention the smoking thing, because that's some that's an area that I've grown and not learned not to judge as much in my own life because I'll be honest as a kid I mean especially the kind of family I grew up in um when I go to my mom's every second weekend and she was a smoker I would low-key out of love try to convince her to quit and be slightly judgy and I regret that immensely and I you know but you know like there's doing something out of love and not knowing better but when you're when, when something is pointed out to you, you have a choice of how you address it, and whether you decide to learn and grow from it, or you double down on the behavior that you've been doing. Absolutely. I like to think I learned and grew from it, but some people don't, and
1: you know. Yeah, I with it too, and I think, you know, part of one of the great things about having, again, let's try and steer back on the topic, is my chosen family did help me quit smoking. Yeah. And You know, like, and the one thing that I can say that's great is I have found so many times with my chosen family that, you know, stuff that maybe I am not brave enough to immediately bounce off my bloodline. Yes. I can bounce off my chosen family because most of them have experienced it and, or have, and again, with my, my blood family, like they have too, but I'm a burnt out gifted kid. So I, I have this fear of disappointing my family. Mm-hmm. Whereas my chosen family, like I would have to do something truly terrible, like truly terrible yeah. for them to not love me anymore. And I am sure that it's the same with
0: my blood family, but, but it's it, different. Okay. And if I may extrapolate on why it's different, how it feels to you, because I think I know what you mean even if no matter how close you are with your biological family and how good of a relationship you have with your biological family and I like to think in the modern day I have a pretty good relationship with mine um there's always that feeling of walking on eggshells around them because of life and history and all these things you kind of revert in part to being the teenager you were when you left the house and it's very hard to combat that stuff because a lot of times there's like that pressure of that trauma or, or that those expectations that you feel that you're not living up to their expectations, even if they're not consciously judging for you for it and they, they're very proud of you. You still feel the sense of insecurity around the fact that you're not measuring up to what they always wanted you to be and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, there's none of that with your chosen family. None of right,
1: that. And I think part of it, too, is I'm very different from my biological family.
0: So am I. Amen. um i am
1: now my family is made of black sheeps and rebels i will put that out there a hundred percent but i am so my family is all boomers i think we've talked about that like my family is an older family my mom was born in 46
0: yeah my mom's um, older than both my parents well, both my biological parents and my step
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um my mom is like old enough to be my grandmother technically And, um, you know, so my mom loves that. I am, I'm very open. I'm very, I have been out since I was like 16 years old and I've always just been kind of loud and proud. And I, Mm. I do what I want to do. Yeah. And my mom loves that. And I think sometimes she also hates it because it has never stopped me. Like she's my mom and I love her and I will call her out every time. And you know, it's, it's. We are so lucky in our generation in a way, that we have been given more ability to, be who we are, you know. Yeah. We have the luxury of knowing and talking about our mental health. We have the luxury, you know, because I can remember even when we were kids, you didn't hear ADHD tossed around a lot. You didn't hear
0: um, autism tossed around a lot you know what you heard oh that kid's weird that kid's too energetic that kid's too much that kid's too needy that kid's a troublemaker
1: yep. that kid's a jackass yep you heard that a lot a lot a lot like I have I have friends close chosen family members who were those kids mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know it now knowing them now it, it's very different well one would hope that it's very different from knowing them when they're seven years old, when we're in our thirties, would- <laughs> excuse me. Um, but you know, like there, there just weren't these terms. And I think having this knowledge at our fingertips and being able to say like, Hey, I have ADHD. I am an autistic person. And people are like, Oh, all right, then like, it's just, we get to know so much more and because of the older generations we have the ability to be who we are yep and now they have to of course find ways to deal with us (laughs) which sounds like a really rude thing to say but you didn't get to talk about this stuff you couldn't be a cycle breaker in 1946
0: you couldn't even really be a cycle breaker in 1994 right well you know
1: and so now we have these opportunities to be like you know what my mental health is garbage and I need to go to therapy. Yeah. We as millennials and the generations that come after us have this amazing ability that was not given to the generations before us where therapy was a bad
0: word. Well, my mom had a lot of childhood trauma and has some, a lot of mental health issues because of it. Um, she lived has lived in shame of her mental health issues for most of her life and now the things that she has are developing communities of mutual support and understanding online and it's beautiful and I wish she had was more tech savvy and went on the internet because I think she'd love to see this now because it wasn't like this even 10 years ago even 20 years ago no no and I mean sometimes to bring it back to the whole chosen family thing Sometimes you're not going to get that understanding even in your own family and your own family might ostracize you for it and the way you start to cycle break is first by finding supportive people who accept you for you and then you cycle break once you have that firm foundation if it's not provided by your family which if you're cycle breaking it likely isn't um you know no
1: I absolutely agree and you know I love watching the younger generation so the kids in our lives um my child, uh, our nieces um, you know, they are so much stronger. I mean, I wouldn't say stronger. well, no, okay, so they have more freedom to be yes. stronger. Yes, that is how I should phrase that because you know like I knew that there was something different about me by the time I was like nine years old. Yeah, I I knew that I liked girls. I knew that I wasn't just like all the other girls in my class like i just knew that but i still didn't have the courage to come out until i was a rebellious 16 year old and just went yeah well whatever and it was this big you know coming out was this this massive anxiety it was this huge moment it was this like this terror and i know that it's still the same for some kids i do know that but my child literally facebook messaged me and was like hey mama i'm gay okay okay hey mom um I think I'm trans but for right now I'm I think I'm non-binary maybe trans Uh, all right are we still going with the same name do we have a different name like what pronouns am I using
0: right it
1: was that easy and again not every kid has that but the courage that you see in these young people is just Astounding. And I know part of it is our generation being like, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. We are your safe place. But like, I have always lived by the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. So vibe. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when you're feeling down on yourself, you're sitting around and going, how am I changing the world?
0: Sometimes it's just a little thing like that. That's all it is.
1: And like, we say that like it's nothing. But so now the kids in our lives, don't have that same coming out trauma that we did. They don't have the internalized homophobia. They don't have the religious trauma. Well,
0: I mean, I just think about it and like okay, how do I I have a lot to say. So <clears throat> thankfully we have a podcast. Sweet, a funny thing that. <laughs> so I love my stepmom and my dad to death. Yes, but when my stepmom and my dad got married and my stepmom had never been a parent before, and she was all of a sudden parenting a neurodivergent child. She and I did not have an easy time of it. Now, that being said, I have nothing but respect for her, and I love her to death. I learned how to stand up for myself by fighting with my parents a lot. I also learned that, at least at that point, it wasn't safe to talk about certain things with my parents, so I just did my own thing at school. Um, you want to talk about... People making a difference in people's lives. My mom, who I only saw every second weekend when I was a kid because that was the arrangement we had, listened to me and didn't immediately send me to my room when I said something that she didn't agree with, or or I proposed something that she found annoying, or, you know, or if we did have a spat, we took a few minutes out, talked about to cool down, came back and talked about it. I cannot stress to you enough the importance of that, because without, whether she realized it or not, she was teaching a neurodivergent kid, A, how to emotionally self-regulate, which is huge. And I'm going to say it right now, saved me from way more mental health issues than I, that I could have had. And two, actually listened. And that, like, she probably doesn't, like most people don't think like I did so many good things for that person that spent every waking life minute thinking about that. Right. But like that is exactly the kind of seemingly small yet huge difference you can make in your kid's life. If you just try. And I, I mean, and I think about it too, like I'm grateful for that because that helped me be who I am today and who, how I am with my chosen nieces and nephews and how I want to be. But then also it goes both ways because my chosen family has helped me come to terms with a lot of things too. Like I, it took me 20 odd, 30 odd years and a few crappy relationships and a lot of soul searching to realize that I was polyamorous, a lot more to realize I was potentially pansexual. I'm, I'm working on that, but I'm definitely not straight. <laughs> I, I definitely like the purple and, and pink colors, shall we say. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but all of this took me so long to figure out. And I mean, part of it, I felt comfortable talking with my mom about this stuff. But recently I've realized it's okay to talk to my stepmom and my dad as well. And it's been great. But that took a little bit longer because of everything. But it's been great. But then I look at how our chosen nieces and nephews are and frig. Mighty Emerald was just like, hey, I'm dating two people now. Okay, cool. One of them's a girl. One of them's trans. Okay, cool. And, and I'm just like, I'm saying, okay, cool, because it, it genuinely is cool. But part of me is just sitting there thinking like, huh, like how I had to do all that. How did you get the cheat code? <laughs> like, how, did, how did you find the warp zone? I wanted to bypass all that too
1: somehow and sometimes I feel like potentially we created the cheat codes like yeah. well like our generation not just you and me sitting
0: somewhere me like nah,
1: and up down beast a left right up but I feel like our up, up, generation down, down, left
0: left right right BA start there you go um, <laughs> not a gamer guys not a gamer. the Miami code I might I probably got that wrong anyway continue
1: <laughs> but I do feel like The reason these kids get the opportunity to just figure it out is because one, our generation has made this information open. Yes. I've said many, many times, like I went, I became, I, I discovered that I was polyam in high school. I dated two people at the same time. We were in a a throuple. There is no term for it then that we knew of. All we knew is slut phase. And that's what I call it until I was like 28. Yeah. And now I'm 34. And now there's a word and there are Facebook pages and TikTokers and, and Instagram accounts and it's available on Twitter and on the internet. And it's not this big, ugly, weird thing that you have to hide anymore. It's just part of life. And there are people that do it and there is something so freeing about knowing, and there are podcasts about it. Um, you know where it's there a just podcast about it really I wouldn't have guessed and you know like there's all this information and to know that there are more people like you and that you can create these families
0: well and like to your point about the whole words not existing uh and like people often say well why do you need to label yourself you just are who you are it's like, and you know what if that works for you great labels are a contentious thing but a lot of times labels not only lead to, in the case of neurodivergence, uh, official diagnosis and supports, but in terms of other things like the queer communities and and even neurodivergence and all this stuff, labels allow you to kind of nail down, this is how my brain is. And when you know that, when you understand that in a concrete way, you know where to go look to find people like you and you can find communities and find support and all these things. And you understand yourself better. Like I always felt like, the weird kind of like klutzy, effeminate, more effeminate guy in that kind of thing. And in more recent times I've, I've learned ADHD and autism, but also, you know, gender non-conforming is a word, like, you know, you can eat or gender queer is a word, you know, you, like where you're, you're queering your experience of gender, even if you identify as a gender, like these are so many concepts that we didn't have. And I, I agree that we're giving that to this generation, which is why I love seeing our, our nieces and nephews being like, oh. I think I'm this. It's just like, I find it refreshing. But part of me wishes we didn't have to be the trailblazers. But I'm also grateful that we were.
1: Well, and, you know, we took up the mantle from people that were, you know, starting their own journeys. And, you know, the mantle's just going to keep getting passed down through all of this until there's just going to be acceptance for all of it.
0: Which is the end goal. And it's amazing.
1: Yeah. Where, you know, you don't have to be like... Like, sometimes I feel like I pull out my Rolodex of terms
0: every time. Oh, what are we? what are we doing this time? Uh, is this a polyam thing? Is this a pansexual thing? Is this an ADHD thing? Is this a queer thing? Is this a, you know?
1: Or just, you know, when you're meeting someone and you're like, hi, my name is Rebecca, and I am a pansexual, retired, polyamorous switch with ADHD, PTSD, um, ASD, and social anxiety and like you feel like you have to give them all so that they just understand where you're coming from here's my resume yeah <laughs> like, here's yeah you're resume right and here's my queer resume and, and
0: they're really more of a circle than a venn diagram yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah they really are <laughs> <laughs> but it was, i i feel you on that because it's the same here like i feel like i'm always like uh, adam he him this that the other thing and it's like and i love that but i also know what you mean it can be kind of cumbersome
1: (laughs) yeah like it it seems like a lot and i look forward to the day where you know and it might not be in our lifetime or it's just like hi i'm becca
0: and i mean in fairness like thinking back on it we talk a lot about how things were not the same when we were teenagers i didn't think of the the early to mid 2000s as that regressive of a time at the time given what we knew it felt pretty progressive we were young we were figuring ourselves out you know you know i felt like the world you know we were it's not like we were like those ignorant savages who still believe that the sun that the earth revolved around or the sun rolled around the earth you know what i mean like we actually we had internet we had computers we had video games you know what i mean but it just amazes me that we've come so far that that and looks archaic now
1: well, and and that's exactly it. Like, when you think back, you're like, where were all these terms 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. We, we learn more about ourselves as a species. Yeah. And I love that we learn more all the time.
0: And I love that we pass that on to the people we choose to be family with. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, I think we should take a quick moment to say to our listeners that, you know, We very much thank you for letting us be part of your family and talk to us and listen to us. And we just, we love you.
0: Absolutely. And then we're fully aware of the fact that like, there tends to be this like weird one way relationship with people you listen to and watch and stuff on YouTube and, and, and social media in general, that kind of thing. And we want you to know that even though we don't know exactly who all of you are, we love you anyway. And we're grateful that you're here. Yeah. Now, we have Zoom is being silly and going to kick us off in the next four minutes and 43 seconds. So I say we wrap it up there and maybe kind of offer our closing thoughts and stuff and junk and all that stuff.
1: Do we have any closing thoughts?
0: Words are hard.
1: <laughs> words are hard. <laughs> I think that, that should be the tagline of our entire podcast. Mm-hmm. Neurodivergent polyamorous. Words are heard. <laughs>
0: it's like W E R D Z R and the, the letter R and then H R D. Yeah, but no, uh, this uh, this topic was near and dear to both of our hearts because, as I'm sure you've gathered listening to it, we both have pretty close connections with and experiences with our chosen families, and we're very grateful for all of you listening who are part of our chosen families, and we love you. Yes, we do. So with that, I think, again, we're on summer release schedule. So whenever we get to the next one, we get to the next one. But we are going to probably start up again regularly in September. Yeah. So look forward to a more regular schedule September, October, you know, like in the fall. And then we're going to continue from there. Yes, we are. <laughs> anyway, um, we love you. Stay safe. Take your meds. Be who you are, no matter what, and you're valid no matter what.
1: Drink your water and wear
0: sunscreen. (laughs) Damn right. You don't want to turn out like me. I was like, it hurts to move. Oh, God. Yeah. Have a good night, guys. Bye, everybody. Special thanks goes to Paul Unger, who designed the rainbow infinity symbol and brain component of our logo, and we love it very much. Thanks, Paul. Neurodivergent Polyamorous was created and produced by Adam Mardero and Becca Kelterborn. Copyright 2022.